Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank the choir and my sister for leading us before the throne of grace. Indeed, may we join the host of angels in singing holy, holy to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me take the opportunity to uh, thank the leadership of the church for giving me the opportunity to share some thoughts with us this evening. And the topic that we have for our reflection this evening is strive to have a conscience without offense. Strive to have a conscience without offense. And these are the words of uh, the Apostle Paul when he appeared before Governor Felix and had to make a defense of himself when he was arrested um, and came before them. Shall we bow down our heads for prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to once again sit at your feet. Lord, we are gathered here to hear you. We pray the Lord, you will prepare us so that we will hear you and hear you well, so that we shall be worthy ambassadors of yours whilst we are here on this earth. So the Lord, when we come before you, you will say to us, Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have we prayed. Amen. So, as I said, the topic for our reflection this evening is strive to have a conscience without offense. And... Um, This is what Paul said. He said he strives to have a conscience without offense. So Paul had been arrested and brought before Governor Felix. Actually, Paul had been arrested by the religious leaders, (laughs) you know, in Jerusalem when he went to present his uh, gifts and offerings to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, Before that, he had been warned that indeed, um, you know, he would be arrested if he went to uh, Jerusalem. But Paul would not just uh, divert his course because, you know, of this threat of arrest. And so it was that when he went, and he went to the chapel, he went to the temple to worship, these Jews incited a mob, and Paul was arrested. In fact, they had planned to kill Paul, but uh, the plot was revealed to him, and the commander who had seized him from the mob then got 200 uh, soldiers and sent him to Governor Paul. And then, on the fifth day, the religious leaders, the high priest and others, came to, they appeared before Governor Felix to present their accusations. And after they had made their accusations, in Acts chapter 24, I am trying to sum it up 
so that you would have the background to this. After they had made their case about Paul inciting the people, bringing uh, strangers to the temple, as it were, desecrating the temple and all that, the governor then turned to Paul and asked him to make his defense. And this is what Paul said. And I'm reading from Acts 24. Uh, I'll start reading from verse 10. And then we will end at verse 16. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Then Paul, after the governor had, had, had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogue or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. So this is where our, our topic comes from. He says, this being so, and Paul was saying this of himself, I, I always, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. So this is where, as I said, our passage comes from. And Paul uh, said this when he had to make a defense of of himself. So, um, let me just read the verse 16 in Chi. Ose, e yinti, de biara me bomodin se, me di ahunimpa, be bome bra, wo onyankupon, ni nipe ni madofo nomine amerikane se, Paul, oko Jerusalem, se, orkosum, na, ntubwa kakra, adofo no waka wansa se dema, Asorim penyimfo no de akomawo wo Jerusalem na eh Yuda funi bi ariata so se Paul esese wukum no if you say okwan onam so no wo mpe na nsana Paul be do Jerusalem no na edifu prophets wa ahye nkom se urikwei ota ni okyere na da wanim a Paul o se set biara no Jerusalem de obeko Okwenu wan koye bribibia anka ekocho esese wochre no nanso yesanse na yuda fono wariata so se opese wukum no nti no wo wo kekansi wa ye nyeme bi ni adema efi nkrofo no botwi se opese wukum ne na osrafo penyin no ebeje no na odene ko amrado penyin a wo frano felix eho nti eho e na Wobo nuntuntun wie no 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 so esesu yi na no na ehona okikansem no no kakusi se 
Eyinti da biara me bobodin se me dia hunimpa bebo me bra onyankopon ni penim isa ne se oji usori edi Paul believed in the resurrection Paul believed that there will be life after death and at that resurrection of course we would have to give account of ourselves and it is for that reason that he said he always strive you know to have a conscience without offense before God and men now what is conscience when we talk about conscience what exactly do we mean the oxford dictionary the oxford english dictionary defines a conscience as a person's sense of right or wrong viewed as acting as a guide to one's behavior so it's like an inner compass a, a, a person's sense of what is right or wrong and, and this is the thing that guides him you know in the way he does his things so it's a sense of right and wrong a moral sense a still small voice an inner voice a voice within some would call it values some would call it scruples and these are the things we guide one in one's uh, decision making i like the merriam webster uh, also definition it says it is conscience is the sense or consciousness of the moral goodness or blameworthiness of one's own conduct. So here he's talking about a sense of consciousness. It's not something that you are not aware of. It's a sense of consciousness of the moral goodness or blameworthiness of one's own conduct, intentions, or character, together with a feeling of obligation to do right or be good. So it comes with a certain sense of obligation, you know, you, you know that there is something that guides you and you feel that you are duty bound, as it were, to do that which is good. Offense is also, let me just stick to a, a very simple definition of offense, a breach of a law or a rule. So when Paul says that he strives always to have a conscience without offense towards God and man, he's simply saying like the NLT puts it. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and man. When you have a guilty conscience, it means that you have acted contrary to what your own self you know, is directing you. So you yourself, you don't feel calm within yourself. So we can see that guilty co, guilty co is, is, is uh, condemning somebody and then you see the way the person is behaving because he knows that he has he has gone contrary to what he himself believes is, is right. So how can we live in a manner that makes us maintain this sense of doing right, going by what we know within us to be the right way to go? And I think again we'll go to the Bible and say that the word of God actually helps us to live right. In Psalm 119 verse 9, we read that how can a young man keep his way pure? Or how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Psalm 
and a light to my path. We all know that when it is dark, we, those of us who live in the city, you know, we have street lights and all that. But, I mean, when you are walking a dark path, then you may need a lamp or a torchlight. You know, the torchlight or that lamp will not light the whole place. But at least you can see where you are going. And when we were young, if they sent you in the evening and you are going, you don't know whether maybe there's some snake, you know, walking around. But at least the lamp will guide your path so that you will not step on, on, on something. So your word is a lamp to my feet. Not only a lamp to my feet, but also a light to my path. So the lamp, the word of God can show us the way we are to go so that we will not get into a ditch. There's a passage that I love, and it's found in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? He has shown you, O man, what is good. So, the Lord has not left us without direction. The Lord has not left us without knowing what is good, what He expects of us. He has shown us. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Let's think about those words to do justly. In other words, don't flout your conscience. Don't do that which you know. Your conscience itself is telling you that what you are doing is not right. Do justly. Love mercy. Even where the person you are dealing with is deserving of condemnation. Is deserving of reprimand. You love mercy. We all were like sheep going astray. But the Lord, in his love and in his mercy, had compassion on us. So we are to love justice. We are to love mercy. And then, we are to walk humbly with your God. I always interpret this walking humbly with your God as, you know, there are times that we can come up with all forms of arguments. We can come up with all sorts of reasons why it should not be this way. But when we walk humbly with our God, it means that we raise the word of God over and above all our arguments and all our schemes and all our thinking. Say, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. We walk humbly with your God. Actually, this passage itself is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse 12 and 13. And this is what the Lord said to Israel. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? 
but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Missy, no crayonemu. Now be dear radem ransom so. Mransoma a radi, a dear show. Senia a besu ye ye. The Amplified puts it slightly different, and I want to read what the Amplified says. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but reverently to fear the Lord your God? That is, to walk in all his ways. And to love him. And to serve the Lord your God with all your mind and heart and with your entire being. To keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his statutes which I command you today for your good. I think he's broken it down. The Amplified Version has broken it down for us. But... We can still ask ourselves, so how do we serve the Lord with all our mind and with all our hearts and with our entire being? How do we do that for you and I as members of, of CFCC, for you and I as, as Ghanaians, for you and I as people who live in our communities? We are to fear the Lord reverently to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways. So, as we read the word of God, we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Being careful to do according to all that is written in it, as Joshua 1.8 tells us. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And this is not a passive thing that, oh, we come to church and we sit somewhere at the back and we are not involved. No. To love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your mind. And with your heart. And with your entire being. It means that we are actively participating in serving the Lord. We are actively pursuing Doing things as will please the Lord our God. And I like it. He says, To do the statutes which I command you today for your good. You see, most of the time we think that uh, obeying the statutes of the Lord or obeying the laws of God, it's as if you know, God doesn't want us to, to have fun. God doesn't want us to, to enjoy life. But it is not so. The things that the Lord restrains us are things that will come to pierce us. They are things that will come to destroy us. 
But when we learn to obey his statutes, then it shall be well with us. Someone says that we'll be like a tree that is planted by streams of living waters, which will bear its fruits in its season. And in all that you do, you will prosper. And that is what the Lord is asking of us. So, if we are singing in the choir, we sing joyfully. If we are serving as usher, we do it with our whole being. Whatever, as, as we are told, whatever your, your hand finds doing, do it well as unto the Lord. The Sadducees in Matthew chapter 22 verse 34 had come to Jesus to tempt him. And a lawyer amongst them had put this question to Jesus. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? That is uh, Matthew 22, 34 downwards. It says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he goes on. This is the first and the great commandment. 39. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the next. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So that's which we read in Deuteronomy, that which is found in, you know, the, the Old Testament, Jesus also repeats these words to us in the New Testament. But I like the way Jesus also extends it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That is the first. And then he goes on. And the second is like that. You shall love your neighbor. As yourself. We're talking about, you know, striving to have a clear conscience. But conscience without offense. Everything that we are told in the Bible, every commandment, every instruction is about love for God or our love for, for our neighbors. In fact, if we, we deceive ourselves, that we are Christians, super Christians, and we love the Lord. And we are, we are so earthly minded that we are not good for uh, any relationship with our neighbors. Then we deceive ourselves. Our love for God should reflect in the way we relate. Mrs. Sadducee, for no. Okoye yesuho. Ena, okoso nefei. Okoye no. Also, so, no see, embrace them in a idea being in a sense and so. So, bed bed ready, we are going to go home. Now, what do we want to go home? And I'm going to say, say, 
yebenya ahunim a afubu biara nima na ejina senia yani onyankopon din kitafo eni senia yani yen yonku nipa nso bedin kitafo yen tumi nka se yedwarade ntibribia no na ye wasori dem ni abompai demu yen yonku a obeng yen ne de yen hunupo se otiyenchen osi do eradu nyankopon ukume nyina wadwini nyina na ukre nyina na do oyonko nso se oho se etumi diade abianyi sua na emrani nyina ye diso so paul had been accused in fact when you read the what are they says he, he says this man is a plague he incites the people he has even brought strange people into the temple and they had arrested him i mean these were all trumped up charges and, and that's why paul said uh, you know all these things that they are saying is not true and if it were so then they themselves should be here but they can't prove any of the things that you know they accuse him of this evening the question is what are we also being accused of what is it that people find wrong with us what charges have been trumped against us that we are also struggling to respond in first peter chapter chapters 2 and 3 peter urged the early christians to live right and he he taught them that they need to live right as as citizens that's their responsibility towards the government they needed to live right as slaves in their relationship towards their masters they had to live right as wives in their relationship towards their husbands they needed to live right as husbands in their relationship towards their wives and children and so on and this is what he said in first peter 2:11 and 12 He says, "Beloved, First Peter two verses eleven and twelve. He says, 'Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honourable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evil doers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day.'" of visitation hallelujah i beg you as sojourners you recall what paul said he said he believes in the resurrection and he knows that a time is coming when both the living and the dead will stand before the righteous one to judge all peter is saying to us that we should remember that we are just sojourners on this earth we are here for only a short while we'll soon be going home we'll soon go and stand before the king of kings and lord of lords we are sojourners and pilgrims ye ye amamfrafo ya mechebuo ha ye wo baby ko ye wo baby ko 
kuntebu bi da yenganim esane se saa kuntebu da yenganim nti no esese yebu yem bra ma yem bra no eye fe yem bra no esuani na sempo no nkontompo fo betwa nkontompo ato yensua wo behwe yem bra ye bo yenana montu no ehu se oyide ne nante wo na de ye no edenso we should have our conduct honorable among the gentiles when they speak against you as evil doers that they may by your good works which they observe glorify god in the day of visitation of course they would malign us they would say all sorts of things against us but deep down in their closets they had mass and at times it is even because of the way we live because we expose them by the way they live how do we bring it down to reality in terms of our everyday life so all of us we are employees paul talked about you know um, our responsibilities as government and uh, the responsibility of slaves towards their masters. I think that all of us are employees. Eh? We all... So, as employees, what is our attitude? We are to be faithful in our employment. We are to be faithful to our employers. We are not to render lip service. We are not to be assive-assive. Work is supposed to start at 8. What time do you get to the office? You are supposed to close at 5. What time do you leave the office? We are supposed to be spending time doing our employer's bidding. Do we spend the time doing other things? The resources that have been given us, which are to be used at the workplace, are we misapplying them for ourselves? Or we are using them for the right reason. If we are employers, we are also to be good. We are, we are, uh, employers are also to be good and give deserving wages to our employees. There should be fairness in our dealing with employees. Not showing favoritism. We are to be honest with our tax obligations. Uh, as for tax obligations, when you get there, people want to cut corners. We are to be honest with our tax obligations. We are also to deal fairly and equitably with other stakeholders. It is not only our employees. There are other people who also depend on us. The people where we get our sources, our suppliers, and all that. Are we dealing fairly with them? Striving for a clear conscience. Conscience without offense. As wives, the Bible urges us to be submissive. We are to be dutiful. We are to be caring for our children. We are health meet. So we are to pray for our spouses. Our family. 
we are to be supportive. Are we doing this? Or we find ourselves doing other things. Being busy about every other thing. Our wives, are we being very respectful to our, our husbands and that kind of thing? The Lord is nudging us this afternoon that we are to have a conscience without offense. And as I go through these things, if the Lord is convicting you in an area, you can just bow down your heads and ask for prayer. As husbands, we are to be loving. We are to be caring. We are to be supportive. We are not to be overbearing. Are we doing this? Are we there to support our children? We are urged not to you know, frustrate the children, but to train them in a godly manner. Are we doing this? Are we taking our role as the leaders in our homes? Or we've abdicated and the women are carrying all the burden by themselves. What about children? Children are also supposed to be obedient to their parents. They are supposed to be dutiful. They are supposed to help if you are a student, you are supposed to be studious. But some will go to school, and especially when they get into their teens, that's when they will raise their collar, and then the way they walk, and things like that. The last thing that is on their mind is the purpose for which they were sent to school, to go and study. Are you respectful to your parents? Do you defer to them when they instruct you? These are things that, you know, I'm just throwing up so that we would see because we are supposed to have a conscience without offense. And these things the Bible urges us and teaches us to observe. This is how Paul puts it when he wrote to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. And then he goes on. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Hallelujah. You know, when I reflect on these words, you see that, I mean, they are all encompassing. In fact, if each and every one of us could print these verses and paste them by our bed or in our sitting room and reflect on them. I believe that our lives will be different. Whatever things are true, which means that you and I, lies should have nothing to do with us. If we are talking, if we are discussing, it is only that which is true. 
Whatever things are noble. So anything that is ignoble, anything that is not of a good report, anything that one, one cannot speak well of, such things should not be associated with us. Whatever things are just, I've talked already about justice. Whatever things are pure. There are certain things, they smell. Whatever is pure, that is what we are to be associated with. Whatever things are lovely. You know, it's, it's, it's lovely. Those are the things that you and I are to be associated with. Not things that, you know, even when you are talking about, this is Sebi. Oh, excuse me. Oh. No. These things should not be associated with us. Whatever things are of good report. So that which you are doing, if you know that if somebody says it, you'll be offended. You know, we do things. We know we did it. But then when somebody talks about it, then it is that person who talked about it that you say is being concerned. You, when you were doing the thing, your conscience did not restrain you. But the person who tabled it, he is the one that you want to call an evil person. The, the workers who come to my house, I always tell them, you know, you come to me for reference. Me, I only write what I have seen you do. I don't concoct anything. So if you know that you want me to say something good about you, then do good. Because I will not go and tell a lie just to make you happy. If there is anything that is of a good report, if there is any virtue, virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these or think about these things. And then Paul goes on and makes a very bold statement. He says, the things which you learned and received and had and saw in me, these do. So Paul was not, do as I say, but don't do as I do. He demonstrated it. He demonstrated it. He said, look, I strive to have a conscience without offense. It is something that he did. So even when he went to uh, uh, Jerusalem, right? I mean, the people wanted to accuse him. This man, he's breaching our laws and all that. He said, no, I'm here. I've even purified myself. I'm doing everything as a Jew. But of course, the church had agreed that these are not things that should be laid on the Gentiles. So Paul could make that statement. Can we all say so? Put our, ha our hands on our chest and say that the things that you see me do, do that. Can we do that? If we should do that, then we know that we strive to have a conscience without offense. 
It means that what we do in secret and what we do in public are the same. I will not go and say something behind somebody and then when the person comes, oh, oh, eh, eh, oh, that one we are just uh, saying, no. If you know that you can't say it in front of the person, don't say it behind him. It's as simple as that. Having a conscience without offense. And Paul could bear his chest and say that the things which you learned, he taught them and received. They sat at his feet and he instructed them and saw in me these do. And he says that the God of peace will be with you. Brethren, as we endeavor to strive to live by a clear conscience, the God of peace will be with us. You see, you sleep and you sleep well. You are not afraid. Because what have you done? You haven't done anything. Hey, they, they will go and search and search and search. They, they won't find anything against you. You sleep and sleep well. But the people who do like a this, like a that, every time, they are thinking, hey, what did I tell him? Hey, this man, they are, you know, then they are thinking. Like Paul, may we always strive to have a conscience without offense. We can only do this as we obey the word of God. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, again, Paul admonishes us. And do not be conformed to this world. That's the verse 2. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are not to conform to this world. To the standards of this world to the doings of this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as our minds get renewed, our conscience gets sharper. As our minds get renewed, we live without offense because we live Christ's way. We become worthy disciples of His, worthy ambassadors of His. Do not conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove, I like that word, so that we may experience for ourselves. So that we will establish for ourselves. You know, some of the things that at times, you know, we, we, we hear in the pulpit and all that, you know, then you think, oh, these are stories. But no, as we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we experience for ourselves what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. My prayer this evening is that each and every one of us will strive to have a conscience that is void of offense. That each and every one of us, knowing what the Lord expects of us, we will do justly, we will have mercy, and we will walk humbly with the Lord. Elevating the word of God above all opinions. Elevating the word of God above all arguments. Let God be true. And let everybody be a liar. 
May the Lord himself strengthen us. May the Lord equip us and quicken us so that as we walk with him, we will have testimonies upon testimonies and we can say that we strive to have a conscience devoid of offense. May we, may we at all times maintain a clear conscience before God and man as we serve the Lord daily, in season and out of season, so that when we appear before him, he would say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Shall we bow down our heads for prayer? So our dear Father, once again, thank you so much for your words to us this evening. Father, we pray that you strengthen us. We often disappoint you. We pray that you grant us faith. We pray that, Lord, you grant us clarity of thought and an understanding. The Lord will be doers of your word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us. And I pray that the words that you have for us, Lord, will fall on good soil. That it will bear forth fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty to the glory of your name. So that, Lord, when you come, each and every one of us will receive commendation. Even as you welcome us into your kingdom. Be thou exalted, O high. Be thou exalted on high. In Jesus' name. Amen.